Hi there, my name's Thomas Waterfield and I am a paediatric emergency medicines doctor and today I'm going to talk to you about the uh, assessment of uh, young febrile infants. This talk's very much aimed at anyone that may assess a febrile infant, whether that be a general practitioner, uh, emergency medicine doctor or paediatric specialist. So why do we need to specifically look at and consider how we approach young infants? Well, young infants are particularly at high risk of invasive and serious bacterial infection. And we know from a number of studies that in a UK type setting, in a Western Europe type setting, the rates of invasive bacterial infection in children under three months that present with a temperature is in around two to four percent. And when we talk about invasive bacterial infection, we talk about bacterial sepsis uh, and we talk about meningitis. Uh, that's Two to four percent then doesn't include children which will have urinary tract infections, bacterial gastroenteritis, and other serious bacterial infections that would also need treating in a hospital setting. This then means that children under three months have a much higher rate of serious and invasive bacterial infection than older children. In addition to them being at relatively high risk for serious and invasive bacterial infection, this age group to children under three months are typically a little harder to assess. The clinical features of serious bacterial infection are more subtle um, and the children may look relatively well until they decompensate. So how should we approach a febrile infant? Well, some of this depends a little bit on who you are and your setting and where you're working. So uh, based on the NICE guidance, certainly if you're in general practice and a young uh, infant under three months of age presents to you with um, a fever or a history of fever, uh, that child should be referred to the nearest paediatric specialist, which may be in an emergency department or a paediatric assessment unit. Uh, it's important here to note that a history of fever in this age group should be taken on a par with a fever that you actually record or see yourself. Uh, there's pretty good evidence now coming out that a, a good report of a history of fever carries a similar risk, especially in this age group. And then if you're a, an emergency department, perhaps a non-paediatric emergency medicine specialist, then you've got essentially the responsibility to resuscitate and refer. Uh, and what I mean by this is that um, although you would be expected to refer this child on to someone with relative paediatric experience, uh, your responsibility is a little bit more than that of a primary care physician, uh, and you would be expected to assess the child, uh, resuscitate them where appropriately, and this could include administering a broad-spectrum antibiotic. In children who appear relatively well, you may want to refer them on fairly quickly for a paediatric assessment. And then the final part will be the paediatric specialist. This could be based in a paediatric emergency medicine department or a paediatric assessment unit. And here your responsibilities are a little bit more definitive in terms of um, not only resuscitating the child, administering antibiotics, but also looking at uh, providing ongoing care and coming up with a definitive diagnosis where possible. So, you're faced with a, a young febrile infant um, and they may appear well or unwell uh, and it may be difficult to determine um, actually how well they look. You can uh, perform your initial assessment as you would for other children, you can record your observations, but in all children under three months with a, a fever or reported fever, uh, NICE would recommend that they undergo investigations. Uh, these investigations would include a full blood count, uh, C-reactive protein blood culture, uh, urinary testing for urinary tract infection, 
uh, chest x-ray if there are respiratory signs and stool culture if there's concerns about diarrhea. A significant proportion of the children that you'll see with serious infection will have an underlying urinary tract infection in this age group uh, and it's really important that we get as accurate diagnosis around urinary tract infections in this age group as possible uh, because confirmation of a urinary tract infection in this age group does commit the child to some follow-up uh, which will include uh, further imaging uh, and possibly even prophylaxis for uh, prevention of urinary tract infections in the future. So how do we best collect this urine? Well, it depends a little bit and we'll, we'll come to to treatment and, and what we will do around that in a moment or two. But uh, if a child is going to be treated there and then immediately, we, we need a urine sample that's collected pre-antibiotics and we need a urine sample that's at the lowest risk of contamination. So in this group where you're going to admit, administer, administer antibiotics quickly, I'd recommend getting a, a, a clean sample such as a catheter urine uh, or a clean catch. Typically from the pure practicalities of administering antibiotics quickly, it's often easier to get an in-out catheter sample. If we collect a urine sample after administration of antibiotics, uh, the results far less reliable and it may provide us with a false negative. And if we rely on non-invasive techniques for collecting urine, we can have a significant delay in administering antibiotics or we can have a contaminated uh, urine where we get a mixed growth or uh, growth uh, which is a pure contaminant but leads to the child having further investigations, some of which, uh, such as a uh, micturating cystourethrogram, are quite invasive, uh, and it can also commit the child to follow-up and even prophylactic antibiotics. So one of my top recommendations, if you like, for uh, investigations in children under three months where you're going to give parental antibiotics is to collect uh, as clean a urine as possible pre-antibiotics and to consider going for an in-out catheter um, or even um, a suprapubic aspiration under ultrasound guidance in this group. In addition to collecting a urine sample, you're going to be thinking about lumbar puncture in this group. Uh, and it's a pretty low threshold, so again, NICE would recommend, and this is based on the NICE feverish illness guidelines, which we'll post a link up to, um, is that infants younger than a mom should all undergo a lumbar puncture. Uh, and I must say, on the whole, I would follow this with the occasional exception um, where perhaps the child may have a, an intercurrent obvious bronchiolytic illness and is very, very well. But as a the NICE guidance would advocate that they all have a lumbar puncture uh, and as a rule of thumb, I would agree with this. Uh, and then likewise, children aged between one and three months who appear unwell, NICE advocate lumbar puncture. And again, I think this is um, incredibly reasonable. Um, it then also talks about children between one and three months with an abnormal white cell count. Um, this is worth considering and bearing in mind. I'm not advocating that we do not follow NICE guidelines. I think anyone that you're giving parental antibiotics to, um, it's worth performing a lumbar puncture. Uh, anyone where there's concerns about meningitis, and if they do have abnormal infection markers, uh, then yes, I would also consider a lumbar puncture for those children. The timing of that lumbar puncture is uh, worth considering so we do have some time unlike the urine collection it doesn't have to be done immediately before antibiotics um, but the earlier it's collected the better so wherever possible you would try and perform your lumbar puncture pre-antibiotics assuming it doesn't delay the administration of the antibiotic itself of course would also ensure that the child was actually fit and stable enough to undergo the procedure and you can find links 
quite easily to the indications or contraindications for lumbar puncture. But essentially any child with um, sepsis uh, who is needing fluid resuscitation would not be suitable for an immediate lumbar puncture. Anyone with a spreading uh, petechial purpuric rash would not be suitable for lumbar puncture. Uh, essentially it's a little bit of common sense. It's where you have a febrile child who is concerned that there may be an underlying meningitis and they're fit and well enough to undergo the procedure pre-antibiotics. So we've talked a little bit about the investigations and in which children we're going to perform them. Um, but what are the common infections that we see? Well, um, as we've already mentioned, urinary tract infections are actually uh, a pretty significant uh, proportion of cases. So depending on the study, it can be uh, one in four, which is what we saw in the step-by-step by, -step by Gomez. I'll post a link to that paper up alongside this podcast, um, up to uh, nearly all the cases uh, in my own study that we performed in Belfast. So urinary tract infection in this age group is a, is a real significant cause. And we mostly see E. coli infections. Then you'll also see a significant proportion of bacterial sepsis, so uh, febrile and well children with confirmed blood culture or PCR for a pathogen, uh, and that's often E. coli. Uh, you may see some group B strep, uh, pneumococcal occasionally, but unlikely you see Neisseria meningitis. And this is by no means an exclusive um, list of all infections that you'll see. Uh, and then finally, you will see a group of children with meningitis. Um, and again, you may see they late group B strep, uh, E. coli, um, and again, pneumococcal and Neisseria meningitis, although there are other causes. So, so far, it's been pretty straightforward, actually. The guidelines are pretty clear on who we need to worry about, where we need to send them, and what investigations we need to do. So what about treatment? Well, uh, essentially, all neonates, so all children under a month, are treated as particularly high risk. And this is because those children uh, are less likely to have viral infection they're more likely to have vertically transmitted infection, they're higher risk for serious infection, and they're very hard to assess. So any child under a month uh, with a fever should receive uh, broad-spectrum antibiotics. And in this age group, it will be um, typically kefotaxime and amoxicillin in the UK. Uh, the third-generation kefosporin gives uh, good CSF penetration um, and protects against gram-negatives and gives good cover for meningitis. Um, the amoxicillin is there to cover for uh, listeria. The reason we go for kefotaxime over keftraxone is uh, an associated risk of conjugated hyperbilirubinemia in keftraxone in very young infants. Uh, children aged between one to three months of age, um, nice guidance, which is what this, this talk's based around, uh, depending on which guidance you read, um, tells you to do one of two things. So. If you read the NICE sepsis guidelines and look at children under five, uh, any child under three months with a temperature of 38 degrees would receive antibiotics within an hour. If you read the NICE feverish illness guidelines, any child uh, between one to three months who appears unwell and has a temperature over 38 would receive uh, immediate antibiotics. Uh, I haven't been able to resolve this issue myself between the two guidelines um, but I find that I lean towards the feverish illness guideline with some discretion to um, choose the antibiotics for those between one to three months. Um, antibiotics wise again in this age group so typically again you'll find lots of places using kefotaxime and amoxicillin. There is some evidence that listeria is incredibly rare beyond the neonatal period so some departments will have dropped the amoxicillin um, some places will even allow keftraxone over a month. But essentially, 
uh, if you're not sure and you want to stick with kefotaxim and amoxicillin in a UK practice, with both of them at a 50 milligrams per kilogram dose, uh, you will not go far wrong. So let's take a moment just to think a little bit more about those children between one to three months. So let's say we've chosen to work from the nice feverish illness guideline rather than the nice sepsis guideline uh, and we've given ourselves a little bit of room to um, essentially assess this child between one to three months. Well, should we just give them all antibiotics? Well, probably not um, in that we know that uh, although the risk is relatively high, somewhere between 2 and 40%, actually that risk is not evenly spread over all of these children. Uh, what I mean by that is that we know that children under a month are much higher risk, uh, and we know that children appear unwell um, at presentation are much higher risk. So if they're over a month and they appear well, it's, con it's reasonable to consider closely monitoring them while you complete their diagnostic assessment. Uh, and what we mean by that is collecting a urine sample uh, by the cleanest route possible, um, collecting a, a CRP, a full blood count and the investigations as outlined, um, and then deciding at the end of that whether or not we want to treat or observe. So there is some evidence coming out to try and help us with this. So uh, the step-by-step -step approach by Gomez, which um, is a multi-centred paediatric emergency medicine study of thousands of children across Europe uh, presenting with fever without source under three months looked exactly at this. And essentially they were able to show that in children that were over 21 days old appeared well and had um, normal investigations including CRP, uh, full blood count, uh, urinalysis and procalcitonin that they were exceptionally low risk for invasive infection and that they were even advocating that some of these children would be suitable for discharge. Now, whilst that paper is um, somewhat groundbreaking, it isn't going to necessarily immediately translate into our practice in the UK, but there are some things we can learn from it. So, certainly if you have a child that looks well, is over a month, with completely normal investigations, they are very, very low risk for invasive infection, and they may be suitable for an extended period of observation, rather than giving antibiotics just in case. So this is something that um, myself and my colleagues in Belfast had a bit of an interest in. Uh, essentially, how can we decide safely who to give antibiotics to? Where can we use our judgment? Um, and how can we use the learning from uh, work like step by step in our practice uh, safely in the UK? Uh, and so we actually trialled um, point of care procalcitonin as a, a test for these children in the emergency department. And on the screen, you'll be able to see our guideline uh, and our approach. So first thing we said was if the child meets the criteria for parental antibiotics as set out by NICE, then they would be treated. And what we said for that was any child under a month with a fever or history of fever of 38 or higher, we would treat. And then we said, well, actually, if they're one to three months with a fever or history of fever and look unwell, we should also treat them. Um, but we said, actually, if, if they don't meet those features, and we had 38 that did, and of those, three had invasive infection and eight had non-invasive serious infections. So you know, very high rates, 11 out of 38 um, were treated. We said, actually, if they, if they don't meet those immediate criteria, rather than giving antibiotics anyway, we'll perform a point-of-care procalcitonin test. So we collected 0.5 mils of blood uh, and performed the test on the Samsung IV-10 in the emergency department with results in 20 minutes. And what we said was, based on the step-by-step -step data, 
Uh, Procalcitonin 0.5 seemed to show a good accuracy for detecting uh, invasive and serious infections in this group. So we said if it's over 0.5, they're also deemed high risk. So this is an additional safety layer, if you like, in addition to NICE guidance. And we would treat them. And we had five children in this group that had an elevated procalcitonin, um, despite appearing well and not meeting immediate antibiotic criteria. And of those, there were one invasive infection and two non-invasive. So again, um, elevated procalcitonin, um, significant risk of, of uh, infection in this group. And one of the invasive infections uh, it was, a, it was a quite a nasty E. coli bacteremia, um, and the child did initially look well um, and was over a month. Um, so it was picked up by the point of care biomarker. But we said if the procalcitonin was normal, they looked well in between one and three months, we'd, um, we'd uh, observe them actively in the emergency department uh, and complete essentially a diagnostic workup as per NICE, which would include um, a sterile urine collection, four blood count CRP, and we would review them with the results of those uh, and make a further decision with treatment. So this guidance was very much around the emergency assessment of children. It's not uh, their full uh, journey of care, if you like. Um, it's essentially looking at how we can safely make decisions in that first hour or two uh, that are evidence-based that allow us to make informed choices about whether or not we give parental antibiotics. Um, so in summary, uh, children under three months with a temperature are high risk. Uh, if you're non-pediatric uh, specialist, either in general practice or the emergency department, uh, you should be phoning a friend. Uh, and if you are in an emergency department looking at resuscitating those children that are unwell, uh, providing parental antibiotics and getting support as quickly as possible. If you are a pediatric specialist and you're going to follow the NICE guidelines, there will be some debate locally as to whether you follow the sepsis guidelines, the feverish illness guidelines or a combination of the two. But my preference would be to follow the feverish illness guidelines. Um, any child under a month you're going to give antibiotics to, and they're typically going to be amoxicillin and kefataxin, but may vary depending on where you work. Um, you'll perform a diagnostic workup, and you'll try and collect uh, as clean a urine as quickly as you can, and ideally pre-antibiotics. Um, you may or may not decide to treat every febrile child under three months with parental antibiotics. You may choose to look at this age group between one and three months and say that the children that look well, um, as long as you're actively monitoring them, um, it may be safe to uh, collect the, the workup and then reassess them. Uh, and you may also want to consider looking at ways of getting uh, biomarkers quickly. So although we looked at procalcitonin, uh, what we found, and again I'll post a link to the study, was that actually CRP performed equally well in this group. Uh, and we found a CRP cutoff of 20 uh, worked similarly to a um, procalcitonin cutoff of uh, 0.5. So a CRP of 20 milligrams per litre had a 93% sensitivity for excluding all bacterial infections and 100% sensitivity for excluding invasive bacterial infections. So again, if there is a way of getting CRP results quickly within your department or to look at point of care CRP, that's somewhere in the future that may help uh, with this group. So uh, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. I will post links to the Gomez step-by-step -step paper, um, our BMC Pediatrics paper relating to our experience of procalcitonin in this age group in Belfast, uh, and links to the NICE guidelines for sepsis and feverish uh, illness in children under five. 
Uh, thank you.